0: In this episode, we are diving into hiring the next generation and all the things you can do to prepare your teens and young adults for the professional world. Welcome to Adulting Unplugged, the podcast that's all about the real life skills and knowledge you need to navigate the world of adulthood successfully. I'm your host, Tracy Baconhaster, and I'm here to guide you through the ups and downs of parenting a self sufficient, confident, and empowered adult. We believe that adulting doesn't come with a manual, but it does come with a community. That's why we're here to provide you with expert insights, practical advice, and inspiring stories to help you thrive. Whether you're a parent guiding the next generation, a rethink graduate, a young professional, or anyone navigating the complexities of adulthood, this podcast is for you. So grab your favorite drink, get comfy, and let's dive into the world of adulting unplugged. Our guest today is Katie Reiniger. right? Yeah. You got it. A hiring professional, professional speaker. She's a career pivot champion and a recruiting and strategy consultant. Um, she is passionate about building people's confidence, transferable skills, and changing the hiring process from the inside out. So, Katie, welcome to the show. Let's just start by letting you just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Yeah. So, like like you said, I'm Katie. I have been in some capacity supporting job seekers. For over a decade, which makes me feel really old, but, um, I am also a mom of. Three, I have a teenager at home and we're having a lot of these conversations too. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm so great at helping others who are, you know, career searching and and interviewing and things like that. But, you know, I'm mom, so I don't know anything to him. So uh interesting. I'll just play this back later and we will cut out the part where you introduced me so he'll think it's a stranger. Um, <laughs> but I've really become passionate about helping job seekers present in the best way so that they can be really confident when they go into kind of the new professional world that they're entering. But also, I am an internal recruiter. So I help from the inside out in changing the process, making it more accessible. And I really have a great idea of kind of the wide variety of what hiring managers are looking for sort of at every stage of the career path. So I'm really excited to, to share that today.
0: No, that's awesome. We're so glad to have you. And I love that the internal piece is so, so cool because it's like, oh, what does that mean? Like the internal hiring, it's like, it's exactly what it sounds like. How can I change the process? How can I help with all these strategies? And I would assume also like how to move up within companies, not just hire externally and whatnot.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I tackle everything. I actually have been very blessed and I'm excited because the companies that I've, been hired into, uh, including my most recent. The position is newer for them, so the process is. It's one of those situations where they know the process could be better, and they are asking me, "Hey, how can we do this better?" And that gets me so excited, it gets me out of bed in the morning, to be quite honest, uh, because there's just a lot that we could do better internally, too, right? Mm-hmm. We, I mean, you're on LinkedIn, how we connected, so uh, you've seen that there are a lot of complaints out there about hiring process in general. And I get to be part of kind of making that better. Uh, and I also get to help with career mapping and making sure that there is some kind of career path and what does the development look like and all of that. So it's a really exciting place to be where I can help job seekers and still work kind of internally and help
0: change the process in its entirety. Now, and that's awesome. And I think that's why today's episode is so important because you it's challenging. I hear so many students all the time that are coming out of college. They're like, man, I got this degree now, but I can't get a job. And I think, yes, colleges have career services office and I always recommend utilizing them, but they're still a college resource. They aren't always in industry and industry changes so quickly. So being able to have you on this call and talk about like, okay, how can these students that are coming out of high school or college be able to get into their career field that they're wanting to get into? I'm can you talk a little bit about kind of what employers are looking for in this day and age, especially in a post-COVID world where I know a lot has changed? Yeah, so uh,
1: the market is swinging. It, it it swung pretty hard one direction where it felt like you could just kind of throw out your resume and just land a job just it willy-nilly. there were jobs for everyone. And now it's a little little more particular, which is honestly probably more common. And that's what I would say students should really expect is the more difficult landscape. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's just kind of the world we're in right now. And so I I think that there are going to be a few things that you can do to stand out. But I also want to just kind of drive home the fact that it really is a numbers game. At the end of the day, you may not get the first job you apply for. In fact, you likely won't. And it's not indicative of your skills or your resume. I think the first thing that we do as parents, as professionals, we're like, okay, w- clearly, let's fix something. Let's fix everything. Let's just throw the whole thing out and start over. And it's not always necessary. I will say, if you've you know applied at a few places and you're really not hearing back at all, and you know now we're we're applying for ten places, now we're at twenty places. Maybe let's take a look at uh, some of those uh, kind of more basic the. Resume, your outreach, things like that, that can go a long way, but it really is a numbers game and it's getting a little more particular. So students should really come prepared to talk about uh, any, first of all, if they're going into any field where there's any kind of software involved, they can study that even if they're, they don't have a job yet. And I understand that, but watch some YouTube videos, get familiar with the language. You don't have to be an expert and certainly don't pretend that you are. But it's really helpful to research some of the cutting edge things in your field before you go into these interviews. It's also really great to research the companies. I know that that's it's kind of basic, right? I feel like everyone talks about that. But I can promise you, we definitely know the difference between someone who Googled it 10 minutes before they came into the call And they just said, okay, I'm just going to memorize every company I'm interviewing for. I'm going to memorize their mission statement. And we could tell the people who did that versus the people who really found something interesting about the company that spoke to them directly. And that's going to go further for you. So, for instance, I am now in the steel manufacturing industry by happenstance. I don't know how I ended up here. I'm really glad I did though. And it was brand new for me. So like a college grad, I'm putting out feelers into this industry and I had not a single clue. And had I pretended and just picked something off their website, I would have looked like an idiot. So what I did instead was I researched a little bit about the company and I found something that I could speak to. So they had some glass door reviews that talked about interview process. Well, I'm an expert in that, so I was able to pull from that. But if I were brand new and didn't have work experience, I probably would have talked about sustainability because that is another thing on our website that especially the younger generation seems to be pretty passionate about. And I would have just talked about Even if I didn't know a lot about sustainability, I could have talked about how I felt it was important or how, you know, I participated in a recycling drive at such and such event and this is why it was important to me and and so on. So you really tie something personal to something that the company has shared and that shows genuine interest. And for someone just entering the workforce, I think genuine interest is probably the key key driver. Because uh, you you don't have a lot of work experience to judge, and that's
0: fine. So what else can you bring to the table? No, I think that's so important because so many students, they get that. I, I see it all the time. Of like, well, if they would just give me a chance, of course, I don't have work experience yet, but I, I can't get it unless you hire me. But I think that point of that there are other things you can bring to the table, and that is experience. I mean, school projects, other things that you've done that maybe weren't work. But they were valid experience that applies to that job. I think that is so important. I love that. And I love that concept of bringing in that whole aspect that young adults and teens of this generation, they do care so much about the sustainability and those things. And that is a great idea of like, look at what that company, why would you want to work for that company? And that could be a reason why. And that's what you can talk to. And I think you could probably agree to this, that these students, if you can show that you are super excited and passionate about that company and that mission, you're like, man, I really want to work here. That goes a long way with a hiring manager. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that. <laughs> you that, are that's not.
1: <laughs> you are not wrong. Our hiring managers will talk a lot about, well, I just couldn't tell if they really wanted to be here or I got the sense that they just wanted any job like any job would do. And that doesn't go a long way in keeping you kind of top of mind. Because remember, I mentioned a numbers game. You are up against other applicants, other recent grads, others with maybe one or two years of experience, whatever. And if you're not excited about the role for some particular reason, it's going to be harder to kind of remember the conversation and to be excited
0: about you as a potential employee. Yes. And I think that's so important, especially for, you know, students. I get it. I mean, when I was a teenager, I was so shy and so quiet and all these things. That, so it kind of brings around to that soft skills aspect, which we talk a lot about. I know parents are like, Oh, how do I get my teenager or my young adult to kind of come out of their shell a little more and show that confidence and show that passion? Because they might be introverted, they might just be shy or timid or feel insecure. So what would be those soft skills and how to really showcase those in the interview?
1: Confidence is a big one and it is, uh, it's, oh, it's a tricky one, right? Because you uh, you might not be confident. So uh, I definitely suggest one, pretending. Like, so I would suggest a lot of practice interviews, mock interviews. If nobody's available to help you, just practice talking about yourself in a mirror. Have just a quick bullet point list of things that you know you're good at. And when you repeat those to yourself, it's easier to build confidence. Um, So that's one thing you can do. Another thing, obviously, eye contact. It's really important, but it's also incredibly painful for some people. So I always tell students when I was uh, teaching job skills to students in the public schools, I would tell them, look at their eyebrows or look at their hair. You don't have to stare into their eyes. That feels like you're staring into their soul. It feels vulnerable. It's weird you look close enough to their eyes, but maybe just a smidgen off and no one will know the difference and it's fine. Um, So that also kind of exudes confidence. And it's also okay to be nervous and to acknowledge that. I've had students say in an interview, I'm sorry, I'm just a little nervous. uh, Do you mind if I take a second to kind of calibrate my answer a little better or whatever? And then they take a moment and then they answer. That's fine. And that doesn't impact kind of how we would uh, consider them as a candidate. So I would say definitely practice as much as you can. There are so many free resources on just typical interview questions, things like that. Get the basics down so that you have kind of a fallback. And then that does help your confidence because you don't feel like you're going to be just making it up on the spot uh, because that's not that's not for everyone. Uh, and if they ask a the question that you haven't rehearsed and that really throws you all off, it's okay to say... That is a great question. Give me just a second. I
0: haven't thought about that. And then answer. It's fine to take a pause. I love that. And I love that response. I think that is so powerful. And it shows that employer that you are okay, like stepping back and saying, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Because let's be honest, nobody loves a know-it-all or somebody that pretends to know everything because that nobody does. Nobody knows everything. Um, and I agree with the practice for sure. I mean, when I work with my one-on-one clients in this space, I definitely like I'll tell them get pull up the Zoom or a Google Meet, and literally record yourself answering questions and then watch it. I know it's awkward and uncomfortable, but practicing and then seeing yourself and then tweaking those things makes all the difference for sure. So I know that that is awesome. I love that. Um so I know we're talking a lot about the interviewing piece, but like you said, it can be challenging in the beginning to even get to the interview space. So What tips would you have? I know networking is a big one. And even though it is a numbers game, I think it's also a lot about who you know. So could you talk more about how young adults and teenagers can start to network and build that network of people and to grow that so that maybe that helps a little bit with that job search process?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple different avenues, particularly for recent graduates or even individuals just starting. Maybe they're just starting college to start now. One, showing up on LinkedIn. Show up create a professional profile. I have a lot of tips and tricks on that if anyone needs them, but create that professional profile, have an appropriate picture, you know, list what your major is. And you could even in your about section list why you're passionate about that particular major or what you're looking to do and where. So kind of give people kind of a heads up and then engage in conversations about those topics that fit into the job that you're hoping to achieve one day. This is going to get you in front of a wider audience. And then when it is time to apply, you'll remember, oh, I connected with so-and-so on LinkedIn. They've seen my post. They comment a lot. I'm going to reach out and see if they might have a job opening or know of one. And it goes kind of both ways because then so-and-so might remember you, you the student, and say, "I that is someone that I really want on my team. There's a lot of young insight there. And And employers are excited about that. Don't discredit your new insights. Fresh eyes are really critical to the growth of any company. And I think that hiring managers know that. And even more so now they're realizing that. So don't be afraid to share your opinions and your insights on LinkedIn. And just keep in mind that it is a more professional platform. And so just kind of, you know, mind the type of language you're using and things like that. But I still, I show up 100% 100% authentically there, just as much as any other platform. So there's definitely a kind of fine line to it, but that would be one way. The other thing is definitely take advantage of your internship. And if the company offers a co op where they will even employ you for that, you know, maybe summer before you go back to your senior year or something like that, take advantage of that. And if they are not going to hire you on, for whatever reason, maybe they just didn't have a full-time opening or whatever the reason might be, or maybe you want to go to a different area, then at least connect with the hiring managers, anyone on the team that you've supported, and get really great reference letters. Have them comment on your LinkedIn, giving those recs right there on your profile so people can see those. Really uh, take advantage of that time you have in the company And also while you're there, be tracking your metrics. What are you doing there? How are you impacting the team? Because that is absolutely going on the top
0: of your resume when you're ready to apply. No, I think that's awesome. And it definitely leads into one of our other questions about the internships and that role that that does play in your career insights and all the things. And I mean, you nailed it around the head, like internships are huge for getting into that career after high school or graduate or college. And I think there's a lot of internships. I think people think internships, even parents a the time think like internships. Oh, but they have to be in college for that. And really, I know there's internships for high school students. You might have to be a junior or senior, but there are opportunities or job shadowing and other things. And because not everybody wants to go to college. So could you talk a little bit more, I guess, about what that looks like for parents that are like, well, my kid, they might not go to college. So how can they do these things that we a lot of times think it's for college students to get into career fields? Yeah. So I come from a pretty
1: rural area and I know that for us, it was called job shadowing, but we could do it junior and senior year where there was actually a couple of periods a day where we could leave and go to a job. And it was all arranged kind of through the guidance counselor and we got job experience. And even if it wasn't like a career that we were interested in, I, I was a file runner for the local hospital, which had nothing to do with anything that I was kind of speaking, but it was uh, a really great just way to get some work experience for a resume. So the job shadowing is one way. There are also just career classes. Also, if the school has a debate team, a government team, anything like that, those things count too. I really think that the importance of involvement I will say if it's involvement that your student is passionate about, then it goes a really long way. But I also don't want parents to think that their student has to be in everything to be successful because that's not the case either. I also am a huge, huge fan. I'm a huge fan of technical schools. I think that they're kind of underrated also. And especially now, I'll tell you what, I have been a recruiter for a while and I was hiring um, pipe fitters and welders for... Some time and I'm actually, I'm no longer in that lane, but I am still getting emails every day of like, we need 100 of these professionals yesterday. And so I will just also say that if your student is more technically inclined and they want to participate in maybe a technical class or school, I would encourage that the trades are a great career opportunity too. Uh, and so, and also any project you work on in a trade school even if you don't end up in that trade, still really impact your resume. Maybe you go for, I don't know, AutoCAD, and you're like, I really hate design and detail, and I don't want to be an engineer, and this is awful. And that's fine, but you've got experience there that you can also share. So I just think that we want to count it all and don't discount anything that your student's involved in, whether it be the club, the job shadowing, an internship, a formal internship, or also uh, a part-time job, a side job, if they're helping. I had a candidate the other day who's been working on his family farm since he was 12 years old and uh, said that they had no work experience. And I was like, excuse me, but I grew up on a farm and I know for sure you have experience. So tell me what you did on the farm. And we we talked about it. So don't discount anything. It all it all matters and it contributes to you as a unique individual and your unique set of skills.
0: No, I, I love that. And uh, could you... Tell because I know parents that are like, okay, cool. I'm not a resume expert, and the teenager that they might have a whole is not always a resume expert. So, how would you transfer those life skills onto a resume that it's not job experience, but it's like, hey, I was involved in this club, or I worked on this farm, or I did these things. How can they display that on a resume that still helps them and showcases their skills?
1: Yeah, so it can be tricky. Uh, Certainly, I think it's worth acknowledging that it can be tricky. One thing I would do is. You could, I would still list it as experience, skills and experience, maybe combine the two and list it out that way. But I also think in this particular case, this is where a cover letter can go a long way too, because it is an opportunity to tell a little bit of the story, but you can certainly list, um, academic achievement or academic involvement. It doesn't have to say professional experience just because it's a resume, but also. Don't discount it if it really was professional experience. You can talk about, uh, you know, family farm hand, 12 years, talk about what you did on the farm or whatever it may be. Um, that was just kind of the first example that popped into my head, but I think both and I think the cover letter, a lot of people are over them and they don't think that they serve a real purpose. And as a recruiter, I would never say that someone has to have one, but if you are career transitioning or you are just starting out, I think they're a great way to tell your story. Hey, I recognize that I don't have a whole, whole ton of professional experience, but I recently participated in X, Y, and Z, and it taught me a lot about this that relates to your company. I would love to have an opportunity to chat about how I could contribute to the team and learn while I contribute. Um, so I definitely think that cover letter is going to be handy there. And otherwise just format it as a
0: resume, but you can title, you can change those titles to whatever fit. No, I love that. And I, I love the aspect of the cover letter of that story of like saying, hey, I may not have this, but here's what I do bring to the table. And here's what sets me apart from other candidates that may have all this experience. But guess what? I have that drive and that passion and that excitement. And I am willing and eager to learn kind of thing, which is awesome. So I love that. because I know That's something I get a lot with students. I work with that are in high school. So they're like, I haven't had a job yet. I don't have anything to put on a resume. I'm like, ah, I bet you you do. I bet there's some things that you can definitely put on there and expand on there. And I think this is a place where parents can really step in and help their students kind of form that first resume, at least to get a draft going and help them kind of to start to build that experience to feel a little bit more confident when they submit it to jobs. So that's awesome. Totally. Uh, so I guess let's let's shift directions to more of the, what do you see are the biggest I guess challenges that students have in interviews that maybe they don't do a hundred percent, like some of the biggest kind of oopses, and what can you kind of how to shift those things? Yeah, so I would say definitely uh, the
1: biggest oops is going to be um, just pay attention to what you're wearing. Uh, I think that's probably one of the first things, and also, I mean, and that's simple. Like khakis and a nice shirt is fine. It doesn't have to be. But I would just keep in mind like how things fit and what they actually are. So that would be really important. And then I would also say um, just how the language that you're using, making sure that you are uh, demonstrating a level of kind of respect to, uh, honestly, the same way you would talk to a teacher or a parent or maybe your grandmother or someone at church, like but just with that level of respect. I think that um, we've gotten pretty casual in the hiring process, and that's great. It Actually, it works for me. That's fine. But especially when you're just entering the workforce, you're already, there's already that question of, is this person ready for the workforce, right? Because we know they haven't had a lot of experience. So dress the part and speak the part. And those are things, parents, that you can easily remind students of. Students, those are things that you probably already know, Uh, And so those would be the two that kind of jump out at me right away. I will also say I love how many students are practicing the handshake. Uh, When I first started teaching job skills in classrooms, I had students who wouldn't even try to shake my hand. And I had to teach them about a firm handshake. And that is great. So have a firm handshake, but don't try to hurt the interviewer. I've had a few recently that were going a little hard and I was like, oh, okay. Um, So, you know, those are some tips. I will say that I don't think that any one of those things would make or break your opportunity. But again, when we talk about, you know, you really want to put your best foot forward, that's a good way to do that. Those are three that kind of just really stand out from the get-go. I
0: agree. I think especially in this younger generation because like you said a lot of things are more casual you have all the social media you have the texting talk not like professional talk anymore and you can still interviewing is still kind of old school though like you still want to show up in that old school way of being professional shaking the hand dressing professionally um you know keeping things to a minimum and not going crazy with stuff and not being excessive at least for the interview doesn't mean that you have to be that way every day in the job but for that interview piece of being so maybe that maybe you're not always that person, and that's okay, but for the interview to show up and be as professional as possible. And I think that's a struggle, especially since post-COVID, I mean, a lot of classrooms I've been into, that professionalism is not always there. I mean, a lot of teachers are more casual with their students. They they call their teachers their first names. There's no longer that Mr. or Mrs. and these things. And so I think that's a very good point of, hey, but let's take it back to that old school time, because that is how you want to show up in an interview to put that best foot forward, as you said, which I love. Um, what about some misconceptions? Because I think there are a lot of misconceptions around the job, the workforce area, when it comes to hiring this next generation that parents maybe even have or students have, of oh, I have to go to college or, oh, I have to have this experience or whatever that might be. I mean, what would you say to some of those?
1: Oh, yeah, I think that that's kind of my life's work. (laughs) It's kind of crushing some of those, but (laughs) you do not have to go to college. First of all, if that's, if that is not for your student and you are cringing, thinking about how are we going to pay for tuition? And we don't even think our child's going to show up. And oh my gosh, but they're never going to be able to get a job without that. That's not true. Uh, it, it's just not. And I will say the landscape is rapidly, rapidly changing around that. So much so that even jobs that post, you know, you have to have a bachelor's degree or you have to have whatever even those, a lot of companies are taking them down and reposting them without that requirement. Uh, Not everyone, not everyone. I will say that there are still some. So I guess one thing a student should definitely do is if they have like a specific company in mind, which I do kind of um, warn against, I think you should be pretty open-minded. But if you have a particular company or set of companies in mind, well then do your research because if they're not flexible on that, well then you know you've got to kind of get it done. But otherwise, the degree is not as important as how you show up in your outreach, in your resume, and in the first couple of interviews. Uh, I think that there's also kind of this, this misconception that you, you know, if your resume is not perfect or if it's not super full, you won't be considered. Again, that's not true. Most of us internally, uh, we don't even really love resumes in general. And I would rather have like a 30-minute conversation with you to get to know kind of why you're here and what you're interested in and why our company. Uh, So I think that there's um, obviously put your best foot foot forward there. And certainly, you know, there are tons of free templates online. Make sure it's legible. Make sure all the things. But if you've done all you can do, like it's okay if it's not super full. Certainly don't make things up (laughs) to make it look better. And I think another misconception that I kind of spoke to earlier is that your student needs to be involved in everything to get any kind of decent career job, what have you. And it's just, it's just not the case. Um, I would rather see one or two activities that your student can talk really passionately about and with conviction than 200 activities and your student comes to me and says, yeah, I was in all these clubs, but I had to miss quite a bit of this one because I had this one and so on and so forth. So really quality over quantity and really, um, focused on whatever your student passionate about that comes through on the flip side. So I know as a parent of a teen, it's hard for me. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I wish you would do a little more. I wish, you know, you could just join one, one sport or one whatever. But really being in the hiring landscape, I'm seeing that. You can be wildly successful without those things too. So again, I would say quality over quantity. What is something that you're actually going to participate in and love and be able to talk about freely?
0: No, I think that's awesome. And and honestly, it kind of runs into that next question of, are there specific industries or sectors that really are open to hiring young talent that maybe doesn't have a lot of experience or doesn't have the college degree, or even if they do, but they're right out of college? Like what kind of industries would you say are good ones to look at or consider that really do have that excitement for hiring that next generation of of youths?
1: Oh, there's so many. There's so many. And honestly, this question is kind of surprising. The answer is surprising to me because industries that you wouldn't expect. So I just mentioned, I jumped into the steel manufacturing industry. That's a very traditional industry. We love to hire college graduates. We have an amazing career mapping opportunity. Uh, I also spent some time in tech. Same thing there. I would um, say focus on a more established tech company rather than a startup. Startups will be excited to hire young talent, but I just kind of worry about the sustainability of the role uh, in general. So just keeping in mind the market, right? Like we want to go into a field that's going to be around for a while and tech is, but some of the startups, they fizzle out kind of quickly. But that could also be, the thing that the student loves. If they love to get in with a startup and they just know that, okay, every couple of years I'm probably gonna have to go to a new startup because right, they're only a startup for so long. Um, if they know that, then that's fine. But that's an industry, tech in general, they get pretty excited about that. Any honestly, any of the trades, the unions get excited to bring in fresh graduates from trade schools. They I mean, you can find a job in about any industry, but you really need to be open to a couple of things. One, I would say, don't put a whole lot of stock into the actual title. So don't limit yourself uh, in terms of the title. And two, recognize that if you are wanting to enter an industry that is uh, a little more traditional or that is a little um, n- more known for having kind of that mid to late career, then you might have to take a job that is not glamorous or is not maybe the highest paying or what have you. And if you can afford to do that, then fresh out of college is the time probably to to explore those things. So I think um that is one thing that we do see sometimes is that students have heard about like, oh, this certain industry pays so, so much. I I wanna do that. And that's fine. I mean, we all work because we have bills to pay. That's that's the realistic, you know, statement of it all. But uh if you're Coming in with no experience, just be open. Just be open to taking a lower level job or something that might be in a different lane than you thought you'd end up in that you can grow in because companies, if you are loyal to them, they will most good company. The companies that I want you to pursue <laughs> will be good to you back. And you can really grow within a company so quickly, quicker than you ever imagined. If you just show up and do the best work you can, no matter what that work is, it will pay off. So that would just be my biggest kind of, you know, when you're searching, when you're first searching, it's okay if the title doesn't match. It's okay if you find a really great company and they're willing to give you a shot, take that. Take that even if it doesn't match what you thought was going to be.
0: No, I love that advice. And and honestly, let's have a little real talk here. I mean, this is Adulting Unplugged, right? Some real talk stuff. And I think sometimes that's hard for parents to hear and it's hard for students to hear because they're like, well, I should be getting this much money or I should be getting this title. Of course, mom and dad are like, well, yes, you should because you're my kid and I love you and I expect this too. Um, I mean, she, I've heard it from my mom my past. She's like, you have a master's. You should be making this much money in, in past jobs. But the reality sometimes is you sometimes do have to start here and work your way up to that even if you have what they're looking for. And I think that that is such a good point. And some parents might cringe a little bit hearing that. like, eh. But but I want them to ask for the higher amount or I don't want them to take that job because that's lower beneath them. And really, sometimes that's where you got to start, especially when you're coming right out of high school or right out of college. you got to start at the ground and work your way up. And I know a lot of students that I've worked with in the past, they had that expectation. They just graduated from college. They're like, I should make a $100,000 a year. And it's like, well, depending on the industry you're in. And it's, <laughs> That's you might not not. Like yes, it <laughs> might not happen just yet. You might have you to might start be... at 50, and work your way up. <laughs> so I love that you brought that into point. And it kind of leads into this aspect of salary negotiation and negotiating job offers, because I think sometimes students shoot themselves in the foot because they're like, oh, this job offered me, you know, 45,000. Well, I want 60. So I'm going to counter at 60. And they're like, huh, you're funny not happening. So how would you recommend parents to practice this with their students, but also any students that are listening to this, that how to handle that process of negotiation? Yeah. So there's
1: a a few thoughts here. First, I think that salary transparency needs to just become a thing across the board. So that's something I'm really passionate about and that I'm working toward from an internal perspective. So I think that it is reasonable to teach your student or, students, if you're listening, it is a reasonable question to say, What is the salary budgeted for this role? Even I love that. if they ask you, even if they ask you, What are you expecting to be paid for this? It's okay to not answer and to say, You know, I am exploring all my options and money. Mar- Might not be, you know, the number one thing for me, the number one deciding factor. Or you could say, hey, I'm just exploring my options. I'm fresh out of school, so I'm newer to the industry. I would love to know what the company has budgeted for this role so that I can consider all my options fairly. They know the budget. Students, they know the budget. Yes. So, (laughs) So that does a few things. One, it lets you know really how much is budgeted for the role. Students, hear me when I say, you're going to hear a range. If you have no experience, you are likely at the bottom of that range. So just keep that in mind because what happens sometimes they're like, oh, 50 to 80K, I'm asking for 80, right? Like, and parents, you might hear that too and think, well, yes, obviously you should ask for 80. That is slightly arrogant, if I'm being honest. Um, we we need to consider that the company is considering your experience and what you're bringing to the team, how much time it's going to take to train you, et cetera, when they're throwing out a number. So whatever that range is, make sure you're okay with that before you move forward, first of all. And second of all, if you are going to negotiate... Now, I'm not going to make a lot of friends here. I do not think that you have to negotiate every offer. Sometimes you get an offer and it's great and you're like excited about the company and you're like, you know what? 75K is more than I ever thought I would make. Perfect. You don't have to... Don't tell the company that. But I'm saying you don't have to negotiate. Everyone kind of braids me for that. But I don't think you have to negotiate every offer. If you are going to, I want you to keep in mind your experience level and all of the things about the company. Consider all the benefits. Consider if they have a bonus structure. Consider what you're bringing. Consider if you have to relocate. All of those things. And you can counter, I would say, within $10,000. If it's going to be more than that, if you're asking for more than that, then when they told you the budget in the beginning, you might not have really been listening. And I I, I just, I'm just trying to be be real here. Um, and also, I will say, if they present you the offer, you can say, hey, is this offer open to negotiation? It's okay to ask that question. And whoever, typically HR or a recruiter will say to you, no, you know, I actually talked with the hiring manager and that I asked them what the best and final was because I knew you were interviewing with other places. So this really is our best and final. Or they'll say, I can try. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but I can certainly, you know, put in a counter for you if you'd like. So it's okay to have those conversations and be really frank and honest about it. But I just, I really don't think every offer needs to be negotiated. If it's within the range and you were okay with that range, great. You've got your foot in the door at a great company that you're excited about. Congratulations. That's, that's the whole, that's the win. That's the win. So, um, I would say be mindful. Be humble when you're uh, negotiating. And even though every guru ever online ever tells you you have to negotiate every single salary that's ever presented to you,
0: it's just not true. I just don't believe it. No, I, I agree with that. And especially because I've even seen directly situations. There was actually a parent who put their whole post on social media a couple weeks ago and it was this situation where the young adult had just graduated from college. It was their first job. It was a company they really wanted to work for. And they made the offer. And the girl was like, I'm good with this offer. But she talked to mom and dad about it. Mom and dad were like, well, really, you should be, you know, up here and it's okay negotiating. You should ask for this much more. I can't remember the gap on like how much more it was. But the company actually came back and turned her down because they were yeah. like, no, like this is the offer. Like we talked about all this, and now you're all of a sudden coming back and saying, No, I want this much more money. Cause sometimes it does come off as greedy or these other things, especially if it's not done correctly. So I wanted to address that because I know that is something. And then the mom was distraught, like, did I ruin her chance at this company and all these things? Now she's mad at me. And so I think that is so powerful to be like, You don't always have to negotiate unless you truly believe I am worth more than that, or I know that the budget is higher or whatever. Um, and some companies, especially like government companies, if they give you a range, that's not a range to negotiate. That you're starting here, and the potential is up to here for when you are there for a while. And I think a lot of people don't realize those things. So yeah, and it's
1: also like the range is really,
0: uh, like you mentioned, it,
1: it's dependent by company, and some of them, um, just because of the way their internal kind of setup is, like they they really have to start you. you between here and here, to make it make sense, so that as you do grow, your salary grows as well. And here's the thing: I, I I want every student and parent to hear. Above anything else, any money, any benefit, any anything. And I know this comes off really Pollyanna, but if your student can find a company that has a really great culture, truly not just a mouthpiece culture, but a truly great culture, and has a really solid plan of career mapping that they can share with you. What does career growth in this role look like? And they can actually answer that question. You have won the game, my friends, and everything else is just icing on the cake as long as that wage is fair, fair market value. And I will tell you, there are some shady companies. If you get a super low ball offer, obviously that's not somewhere you would want to work. But for the most part, we are all companies are using very similar market data to come up. And we all want to be within range. We don't want to waste anyone's time. We're trying to be fair too. So that's when I would say that. Now, I do want to say there are certain times when you should negotiate. If you really are, were lowball, and it's not even within the range, you can say, hey, thank you so much for considering me. But I know that when we started this conversation, the, we discussed a range here. Unfortunately, I I really do have to be within that range to make this work. Is there any room for negotiation? It's okay to call them out on that. But otherwise, if they show up within the range that they said they would, and it's a great company and you're excited about it, do not shoot yourself in the foot by trying to get more money. Especially, I've seen I've seen candidates lose roles over $5,000. You're not even going to see $5,000 on your paycheck, hardly, when it comes to being paid out. And, and the reason they lost it, to be clear, was not because the company was unwilling, but it was their approach. So they were very rude and very um, kind of condescending about it. And so had they taken the offer, they could be with a really great company. But because they wanted to argue over $5,000, you know, and I think that was a case of, well, they said I should negotiate. So I'm just negotiating anything. So just keep that in mind. I don't I don't think it's a a must have.
0: No, I love that. And I I think that's great. And so. Well, I mean, to kind of wrap up this conversation, which has been amazing. And I, I mean, for me, because I'm like nerd now, because this is like my wheelhouse. I love the career <laughs> stuff and and helping these these next generation. But what would you say if you were to give like some really just, here's what you need to know about the raising the next generation of students, helping them in the workforce. So maybe like a parent tip and a teen or young adult tip for going into the workforce. What would you say that would be?
1: Yeah, so I would say parents prepare your child as much as you can kind of on the back end, whether it be helping with the resume, helping with interview prep, whatever, but then let them kind of navigate the system by themselves. If they are coming to you saying, Oh mom, I, I, or dad, I kind of really messed up in this interview. Instead of blaming the interviewer or whatever else, ask them, Oh, well, what could you have said differently? What would you have said differently? Remember that this, I, I mean, it's go time, right? It's, it's adult time. So uh, just, Uh I, I would just say you've done so much on the back end. Absolutely prepare them. But then once you've done that, let them try it. Let them figure it out. And also, please don't force your child to go into a career that has more money just for that. So if they have something they're really passionate about and it can be a job, a steady job, great. Then let them do that. Because in the end, like if they don't love it, they're not going to perform well. Right. So that would be my parent tip. My student tip would be, and I guess this could be for parents too. Really take some time now before your job seeking to figure out all the different careers out there. I think that your mind might be blown when you realize how how many jobs exist in the world that you know nothing about because you view, you know, your kind of community versus the whole big wide world and what's out there. So I like. I didn't even know recruiter was a real job. I didn't know that was a thing, like an internal recruiter. I did not know. And even my dad called the Better Business Bureau when I got my job because he thought I was scammed. So parents and students, just do some exploration. Don't. Jo- and also remember, it's okay if you start one career and you have to pivot. It's okay to pivot, but do some research ahead of time. Figure out what all is out there. There are some really great, rewarding careers that will be sustainable and will support your lifestyle that you've probably never even heard of. So really dig into that.
0: Yes. And shameless plug, parents, if you need help with that, I'm your girl. Happy to help. (laughs) We love that. (laughs) Yes. So, well, this this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here, for all the valuable insights and experiences with us today. It's been really an incredibly informative inspiring conversation like i think this is so powerful for families um everybody that's listening be sure to connect with katie on social especially linkedin <laughs> and yes please the more LinkedIn. About the things. yes definitely connect with her on linkedin and we are just so excited to be here we'll drop her link in the show notes so that you can connect right with her on linkedin and follow her for more great insights. so thank you so much katie thank you for having me Thank you for tuning in to another unfiltered episode of Adulting Unplugged. If you enjoyed today's discussion and found it helpful, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you want even more resources, tips, and tricks, then go to our website at www.adulting-university.com, also in the show notes, and jump on our email list to keep up with all the latest and greatest. Until next time, remember that adulting is an ongoing journey and we're here to help you every step of the way. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes. And in the meantime, keep adulting unplugged.